0: There's this thing called the overview effect that until recently,
1: I had never heard of. So I'll let Aaron Miller explain it. I interviewed an astronaut and he talked about the overview effect. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's an actually studied psychological effect that when astronauts come back from space, they they come back kind of fundamentally changed about their perception of the earth because they've seen it as a whole. Next, Aaron takes us inside his travel and
0: adventure podcast Armchair Explorer. My name is Stuart, and this is Audience, a Casos original series, where we go behind the scenes of all different kinds of podcasts to uncover their creative process. Before we get to the creative stuff, just a quick note for all the podcasters out there. The creative process is the most important part of the process, and without it, your podcast probably won't get very far. But you also need a support system, a.k.a. money. We can help you there. Castos lets you monetize all of your episodes, even the old ones, with a press of a button. There's no chasing sponsors, no extra editing work, none of the headache. You can even tap into your support network. Let your audience directly support your podcast through one-time or recurring donations with Castos Commerce. Check out the links
1: in our show notes for more. Okay, let's get back into it. I kind of blacked my way into travel writing uh, in my late 20s. And for my American friends who may not be familiar with that uh, slang word, it's a British slang word, it just means um, kind of talked my way into it um, with with no no deserving credentials at all. But yeah, I absolutely fell in love with it. I've obviously always loved traveling and um, cared deeply about it and kind of got into, got into travel journalism and, and I've been lucky to have been doing that for about the last 15 years or so. Aaron's love of travel goes
0: back to his childhood, when he'd go on hiking trips in Switzerland with his family.
1: And I remember just like absolutely falling in love with the Alps. Like if you haven't been to the Swiss Alps before, it's like the chocolate box, perfect picture of what a mountain landscape should look like. And we used to just go hiking all day, every day, and um, that really got me kind of hooked into nature and adventure and kind of immersing yourself in that feeling. And, I, you know, obviously I read a lot. I read a ton of, like, adventure travel magazines, uh, just plowed through them, fantasizing about all these places I would go to and and travel one day.
0: Now, Aaron is an award-winning travel writer, and his work has appeared in National Geographic, The Times of London, and The Guardian, just to name a few. So it's no surprise that his podcast would be equally successful. Armchair Explorer has been nominated for two Webbys and won the 2022 British Guild of Travel Writers Broadcaster of the Year. Each episode features some of the world's greatest adventurers, who share tales of their journeys. Aaron employs his immersive storytelling ability and, in a way, takes the listeners all over the world. Jean talks about her near-death experience on a mountain, Oscar kayaks the length of the Kwanzaa River, and a comedian named Andy Smart hitchhikes his way to Pamplona. And that's just a few of them. From the depths of the ocean to the peaks of mountains and everywhere in between aaron and his guests bring us along on these adventures
1: i really loved the the travel and adventure books that would kind of synthesize some of the di- de- kind of deeper ideas you know so uh, joe simpson touching the void was a is a very famous book um beautiful writer i was really attracted to People that were writing very eloquently and beautifully, and could really put you in that place, um, but at the same time, could could expand from that. And it wasn't just about the A to B or we did this, we did that. It was about something deeper than that. It was about the experience and what they took from that. And that's really what I tried to take into travel writing as well. Was you know how can I put people into a moment, a peak moment of experience? Like that's what great travel is all about. Like when you go away what's that one story you know you come back to the pub and your mates ask you what was it like what's the one story you tell and that story is where i always try and drop people straight into whether it's writing or or podcasting and just give them a glimpse of what it what it feels like to be there for real and i think audio is is really powerful at doing that
0: the concept of your show i think is a continuation of a legacy that i think is extremely important um, and I'm going to rattle off some some names here. Anthony Bourdain, David Attenborough, and Jacques Cousteau uh, are people who come to mind because, let's face it, not all of us can see all of the world. No one person can see all of the world, and some of us can't see much of it at all. And those presenters bring the world to us.
1: Yeah, those are great names, great examples. And I think that, you know, I started the show just as COVID was hitting and, and I'd used to work in the music industry before coming becoming a writer and I'd always thought about how can I tell these these travel stories um in audio. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, it's a mix music and sound and ambience um into it. And then, you know, COVID hit, the travel industry collapsed and I finally found myself with the time to to try and do something like that. And I think it really hit at a good time. You know, people were all stuck on lockdown and they really were craving something of that escape you know there was a phrase I, I used at the time which is you know when the world closes the door open your mind and that's what you know good writing good audio can do for you I, I think particularly good podcasting but good audio in a way it's very intimate it really can come alive in your imagination so i think i think yeah it began for me in a similar way of wanting to share the world with people wanting people to have an escape and an escape for myself um to to produce it, but I I do think those those sorts of names, those big names that that you mentioned, absolute legends like you know David Attenborough, um, such an incredible effect on the world. Uh, here's someone that's bringing places like Africa into our living rooms and showing us the the beauty of of that amazing continent and what it feels like to stand there as the during the the great migration of the Wildebeest crossing the the, the river, and you know I think that. Those things can have a powerful impact on us, and one of the things I've always tried to do in a much smaller way with the show with the show is try and create stuff that inspires people to to go out and see the world for themselves, to celebrate the diversity of the world, to understand like what an incredible planet this is, you know. And I think a lot of times we're surrounded by you know, bad news, right? Especially now. And it's easy to forget that, you know, this is an amazing world. There's so much good that's happening around here. There's so much beauty. And, you know, we can kind of get stuck into our ruts a little bit too. A lot of the guests I have on talk about you know, wanting to break out of this mold. I think sometimes we can feel that, you know, we grow up in these cliques of modern life where, you know, dictated by our, the country and society and school and friends and family we we come from, but those cliques don't always work for us forever, right? Then they don't always fit who we are inside. And sometimes you know there's a a yearning whether it's like screaming at you out loud or it's just a small voice inside that you know you want to break out of this and I think for a lot of people it's you know the, the people I've had on it's it's an answer to that call in a way to say how can I go out and live my life for myself how can I go and live my life to the full you know and for me a big part of that is just the pure joy of exploring the planet and um there's a phrase I say at the end of every episode which is the more you look for wonder in the world the more the wonder of the world becomes a part of who you are And that's something I'm really passionate about because I think it's about the veil in which you see the world. And if you're looking for those incredible moments of wonder and, you know, transcendence that you get from, you know, standing on top of a mountain or being in the middle of an incredible festival or whatever it might be. You know, if you're looking for that everywhere around you, then the world becomes filled with that.
0: And there's something about hearing a person tell a story as opposed to reading it. And obviously, like I'm not the the print medium is extremely important and we need it. But there is something about hearing a person's voice, especially, you know, when they're at a very poignant moment. You know, some of these episodes and some of these stories, people have brushes with death. And there's just something that happens with your voice when you tell that part of a story that doesn't come across on the page. And not to mention the magic, you know, you can work in post-production with the sound design that really kind of helps elevate that story.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%, you know, and it's, there's, our ears just naturally, unconsciously pick up on that authenticity and that passion, and you and you can't fake that. And It's like taking it in on another level, and I really got into podcasting because... There's something intimate about hearing someone just right in your, like whispering in your ear. There's something very close about that. And it's as if the person is speaking directly to you rather than you're in an auditorium listening to, to someone give a talk. Um, so it's very, very powerful. And so translating some of what I was doing in travel journalism into audio ended up for me becoming, wow, this is this is taking storytelling to a new level. It's adding depth to it. Not just in that, hearing that, you know, that passion or that, that moment, what it felt like a little bit in the kind of quaver of that person's voice. But like you say, music works on a similar subliminal level. And I, you know, what, what I've always been interested in is the way that music can enhance those emotions or even sometimes work against them to, to try and create a a bit of space for you to fill in what that might mean. And, you know, we're doing a, some on location episodes now where we kind of recorded on location going on a journey and and for me that's all about like capturing that natural ambience and the sound and I think that those things can place you into an environment even more powerfully than words. And and, and they do the similar sort of thing, which is we're a very visual we're we're incredibly visual um you know as a people right um and that's great it's amazing to see an incredible photograph or to watch an incredible video of a place you know it's it can be really awe-inspiring incredible but it's prescriptive it's showing you you need to see right whereas what i think good writing does and what audio does even better is it has to come alive in your imagination it has to work it only works when what you're saying and talking about and putting out there interacts with that listener's imagination and in that space you create something that the listener owns that's theirs like you know when you if you read a great novel those characters are somehow they come alive in your imagination and they're probably a little bit different than the way they've come alive in everyone else that's read that and because of that you own it in a way that you can't own a video that everyone sees and it's exactly the same so that's really the power of of writing and that's where audio i think can take it to another level
0: and with storytelling i mean adventures to me are just obviously the perfect canvas for storytelling. I mean, you have your natural beginning, middle and end, you have your protagonist, you have the plot that's moving them along, but that doesn't mean everyone can do it well. So you do do it. Well, I think you do it. Oh, phen- thank you. Yeah. You do it phenomenally well. I'll even say, but I, I am curious, like, what are you looking for when you're sourcing stories?
1: yeah i guess there's the the kind of sourcing of the story like who's going to be a great guest what are the great stories they have and then there's like the execution of that story um which has different stages uh, and then look for stories like with maybe that kind of lead to something interesting to think about and you mentioned near-death experiences um we did a story called if i live Until mourning but which is uh, based on a book that's written by Jean Munchcraft which is about her experience on Mount Whitney where she actually broke her back um, descending Mount Whitney and had to find a way down and she talks about this feeling of being in the tent and this feeling of of death as a presence just hovering above her and her just clinging on and it's you know it's those moments where you know if if you could meet someone and they could tell you that most you know that most profound moment of their life just to you in that moment um then that that's also what we're looking for and then also crazy fun stuff you know the stuff that is just going to make people laugh whether it's you know the rickshaw run or you know um hitchhiking to to the running the balls in pamplona or or whatever it might be stuff that that people can can have fun with so looking for a range of stories um uh, but they've all got to be something exceptional. So they've all got to offer something. And then, and then when it comes to the pulling it together, you know, obviously it begins with the uh, with the interview, with with interviewing a guest and speaking to them. And um, you know, a lot of people that might have their own podcasts might do an interview show. And that's great and and there's definitely an art to it like you're you're a fantastic interviewer listen to your episodes you're a great interview you get a lot of good stuff out of people but that also takes a bit of practice too you know because you're i always say that the most important thing when you're interviewing someone is listening just really really listening and being curious And if you're you're doing those two things, you're more than likely going to do a really, really interesting interview. So I always try and do that. And I always try and come in really prepared with the kind of thing I'm looking for. And then it's about how can I best tell this story? And that begins with the structure. And part of that is beginning, middle and end. And it can be surprisingly complicated sometimes to figure out the middle. And part of it always for me is always trying to find uh, a deeper thread that can be woven throughout it um like a deeper element something that we can think about something that we can take from something that this guest maybe learned um and so and that's where you're really trying to tell a linear story while at the same time kind of weaving in these these deeper threads that can can hold it together and can and can give the whole thing some depth so from a pure storytelling piece that's what we're looking at um, and then, my you know, a big tip for me with with anyone is pace. Like, uh, what I like about your show, one of the things I like about it is you kind of mix some scripted um, narrative voiceover elements with with interview, and what that does really well is it helps the pace, right? Like you can summarize, you know, you can summarize what might take five minutes in conversation in in 30 seconds. And then we just get jumped back into the meat of the interview where the guest is saying something really fascinating that you want to hear in their voice. And so I think it's also, always about considering pace uh, and being quite judicious with the edits you're doing and making sure that things turn over quickly and one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing there's a famous um, saying in in writing which is like easy reading is hard writing and that's true you know it's to make something that's easy to read that flows takes a bit of time you got to craft it you got to work at it it doesn't come out in the first draft and uh, you know that's what I, I would encourage everyone to do is push the boundaries of their own creativity a little bit you know see where you can take this and think outside the box a little and um see where that story takes you another episode
0: from august of 2022 featured travel author oscar scafidi about a month-long journey he took with his friend they kayaked the entire length of the kwanzaa river in angola with very little prior experience or expertise
1: eventually the hippos appeared on the other side of the river And as soon as they saw us, they just started swimming towards us as quickly as they could, which is, again, very concerning, very aggressive behavior, and not what we'd seen prior to this stage. The guys just screamed at us that we needed to get to the other bank and get up into a tree as quickly as possible, which we didn't ask questions. We just followed them and did what they did. But we ended up up a tree, but our kayak was still in the water at the base of the tree, and the hippos came right up and were kind of sniffing around the kayaks and trying to work out where we'd gone. So we were just I think, watching. you know, I, I suppose that, that story is a good example of looking for the moments of real drama and trying to get that sense of emotion and subjectivity as well People are, different people tell stories in different ways, I was very lucky to interview like a hero of mine, Conrad Anker, who's an incredible, famous mountaineer, and he was telling the story of climbing Mount Meru, which is the hardest mountain by many accounts to climb, and it's amazing, but you know the thing about like really good mountaineers is they're very like straight down the middle you know so he told that story step by step by step and that was fantastic but oftentimes what i'm trying to do is also get a sense of what it feel like to be there you know what did it feel like to look down and 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 see a hippo charging you and knowing that you you can't get out of the way. What's that feel like? And so I'm always trying to find a balance of the objective story and keeping that story ticking along and then the subjectivity of what it feels like for that person there. And then hopefully by picking out those right moments, that's when you can kind of have that emotional connection too. And also I think an important piece is about kind of zooming in and zooming out, right? Like you can't zoom in and tell everything in in minute detail because it would take too long, it would be so slow, it would get boring. But if you don't zoom in at all, if you don't really go in on like that film camera close up and show people those details, then it's hard for that picture to really come alive in in people's imagination. So another thing I'm looking for, what are the scenes that I really want to zoom in on. And I really, when I'm interviewing the guy, you know, the, the man or woman who's done this trip, you know, what are the questions I need to to ask them to get out those details? And with someone like Conrad, who's absolutely amazing, complete hero of mine, but we had to work a little bit to to get, you know, I had to find multiple ways to ask the questions to get those details. And I think it, it came out really well in the end. Um, but, you know, people are, people tell stories in different ways so I think you have to be prepared for the scenes you want to tell the bits you want to zoom in on and how you're going to make that come alive and um, you know in terms of what am I curious about well I'm always curious about those the lessons that people took from something and also the deeper meaning of stuff you know there's been um, a lot of history in Angola that were was an important part of this story. So the, you know, the journey becomes a vehicle for sometimes telling, um, you know, deeper stories.
0: I was thinking earlier, you know, a lot of times, you know, because I listen to a couple of hours of podcasts just about every working day. And I mean, I, I just, I have to multitask when I do them. I'm a multitasker, first of all. And second of all, I would never get anything done if I just sat here. That said, your podcast on more than one occasion kept me on the edge of my seat. Kayak and the Kwanzaa was one of them, and you you mentioned uh, earlier, but it's if I live until morning, and yeah, that no, man' her
1: story was incredible. Yeah, yeah,
0: I didn't being in the tent with her husband, and she just asking him to to stay awake with her in case she dies is, I, I don't I don't know how as a human being, I, I just don't know how you how you face that moment. I can't even fathom. And I felt it, kind of floating above my body almost like an in intimate contact almost as if it was gonna kiss me and I knew it was death the raw reality of death was literally in my face I think what I was feeling with hindsight was my life force leaving my body and that's when I made this vow to myself if I live until morning I will live my greatest dreams
1: and that thought was like an anchor in her spirit back from the brink of death from that entity hovering over her like a lover waiting for a kiss that's something that in one way or another we will all face that moment one day and and so to hear about it through someone else's eyes and experiences and an extraordinary experience too is um is really powerful and 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 can be really moving i think if you get it right and it can also be really insightful too and helpful to how can you take some of these things into your own life and and is an example that through that she got into Buddhism and uh, that experience gave her a, a sense of that you know, the fragility of life and that and that moment changed her life forever. And ultimately for the good, ultimately it um, you know, she said it was the worst moment of her life and the moment that made her life. So um, uh, you know there's a lot of interesting pieces like that 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 come up and I th- and hopefully are edge of or see and also you know maybe linger a little bit afterwards as well
0: yeah and I think touches on that theme of finding a broader lesson too
1: mm-hmm. as, yeah absolutely as
0: well as maybe some safety tips if you decide to go ski <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah
1: don't, don't ski Mount, Mount Whitney in winter unless you're really good at cross country skiing yeah.
0: yeah I mean there is something though about tragedy that really spawns a sense of like adventure and wonder in people you know you hear those stories about surfers who get attacked by sharks and come away with like a profound respect and love of sharks and want to get back on the surfboard. And I, and I think about the episode below another sky where,
1: oh God, yeah.
0: yeah. And where, you know, uh, the fellow lost his best friend on, on a climbing adventure and goes back 20 years later with his daughter. I mean, some people, you think, you think about it, some people might never want to be on a mountain again and man, that was a really powerful one.
1: Yeah, Rick Ridgway. That was one of the episodes that actually when I was interviewing him, he made me cry, literally. But When he described this moment of his best friend, they got hit by an avalanche um, and he survived. He was seriously injured and he went over and found his friend and his, um, held him in his arms while he died. And um, he talks of watching his last breath and seeing something leave him and I, the way he describes that i mean it it brought a tear to my eye because he told that with such emotion you know we're talking 50 years later almost and and uh, he told that with such emotion as if it happened yesterday and yeah then to bring this guy jonathan his best friend's daughter back to to find the body and bury it was is an incredible story
0: some stories are a bit less emotional like that comedian andy smart who decided he was going to hitchhike to Pamplona. There was very little entertainment in the late 70s. There was only three TV channels. And so we made our own fun, really. And I I was in the pub in Liverpool one night with some friends, and we were making each pint last an hour, and we didn't really have much money. And I'd just been, the weekend before, I'd hitched to a party in London and then hitched back on the Sunday and did it all in about, it was about four hours there and four hours back. So I was sort of bragging about this, and they said, well, where do you reckon you could get to and back in in two days? And I said, well, I don't know. And someone said, what about Ben Nevis? And I said, all right, then. Oh, yeah, I could do that. I could get to Ben Nevis and back in 48 hours hitchhiking. I think that fits squarely into the into the maybe poorly thought out misadventure category.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like intentionally poorly thought Mm -hmm. out. You know, it's like there's there's a great bit in the beginning of that where he tells a story of um, he made a bet in a pub that he could. He's like in um, Liverpool, which is northern England, and he makes a bet that he can hitchhike. To Scotland, climb Ben Nevis, which is the tallest mountain in Scotland, which is quite remote Scotland, and come back down and back to the same pub in Liverpool in 24 hours without spending like more than a pound. And um it's like, this is who this guy is. He and he went and did it. He like he finished his pint, walked out the door and hitchhiked to Scotland, literally. You know, um, and he has so many funny stories of the people that picked him up and things like that. And um I love that too. You know, I just love like you know, that's not necessarily me. Like, you know, I, I love that spirit of fun and adventure, but you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, Andy comedian, crazy guy. And so I love being able to step in and see the world through his eyes. Uh, That's just, that's just magical to me.
0: And you made a really good comment in that episode too, because he does go running with the bulls and Pamplona and you make a great comment about how, yeah, that, 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 Practice is kind of frowned upon by a lot of the world and maybe with good reason. But then, you know, you also you kind of contextualize it with like, but but it is part of their culture. And, you know, sometimes people from another culture look at the world for, through a very different lens. And I think having that perspective, you know, just in general, I think is like really important that you can be critical and, and respectful of, of someone at the same time
1: yeah, I'm glad you brought that up actually. i was I was really in two minds of whether to do that episode for that reason. you know, i there's I, I support I've written about a, a lot of African wildlife conservation projects. I'm a huge supporter of that. And so th- there's definitely conflict going on. But I do think that we have to be careful as travelers not to imprint our own judgments and our own values onto society um you know and this is an example of something that's uh, you know been going on for many many years it's really important to the cultural culture there and so the flip side of that is it's part of keeping that culture alive and and you know and and maybe for them to decide on on how they do that i don't know i don't even i don't know what the right answer is to that but uh i feel like it was a good story to tell and, you know, to raise that issue and for people to think about that issue and they can come down any which way they want on it.
0: In April of 2021, a deep sea explorer named Rory Golden was featured on an episode called Diving the Titanic, where he recounts his experience diving to the Titanic in a tiny submersible, a story that, given recent events, has some new context. I'm curious, like, you know, how, how do you feel about that now? Because you're right i mean i think what happened with the ocean gate expedition i think it it brought out a lot of really i, I think complicated narratives and
1: yeah it did yeah and, and you know i think it's important to bring that up I, I think and rory golden by the way you know has worked for ocean gate as well so it, he, he it's even more kind of interconnected than than all of that and i think that i think the, the the complicated thing with that is when you turn that dangerous exploration into a tourist business and advertise it as totally safe when it can't be, you know, no matter what disclaimers are, are signed, you know, perhaps that opens the door for, for criticism. But at the same time, you know, I do believe it's people's choice to, to do that. And, you know, I, you know, I don't think it's right that only extremely rich billionaires can afford to do this, this kind of thing. But I do really believe in the power of taking people to incredible places. We're not going to go, most of us are never going to go to the Titanic or the bottom of the ocean or anything like that. But if you can if you can go to, I was, you know, a year or so ago, I was lucky to go to um, a place in Alaska um, called Sheldon Chalet, which is like right in the middle of the Ruth Glacier, surrounded by the entire Alaskan range in the east face of Denali. And it's like, it was one of these like flying in there was like oh my god i didn't know there was wilderness like this in the world and that was a a view that completely changed me and if i think there is a power in taking people to places and letting them feel that and one of the things i you know i'm really passionate about with my writing and, and podcasting is you know for me i think the first step in conservation for example is falling in love with the natural world and many of us are disconnected from that and so i think that a lot of conservation projects begin with this is you know there's all these uh, dangers and disasters and and all you know and and we need money to to prevent that and that is absolutely right and i'm a supporter of many of those charities and written about them but i think there's a step before that oftentimes where it's like letting people just feel this fall in love with it. And connect with it, and that's when they care, and that's when those next steps happen and become easier to take. And so, I think that you know, taking people places, extraordinary places, has bigger, broader impacts potentially than just that one moment. Um, mm-hmm. The kind of looking through the window at the Titanic.
0: You know, I, I always, you know, would would argue for just looking for adventure, even in even in your own like backyard or your own town. Absolutely. I mean, I know, yeah. uh, where, where I live in North Carolina, you know, our, our city ha- has a really great trail book, you know, that they put out and it's awesome. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. These little urban oases that, that are just kind of tucked away and they're, they're right in your own town. And, uh, you know, I near, I live near the Appalachian trail and to just go, you know, hike, hike to one of the, yeah, hike to one of the summits there and, it's not quite like going to outer space but it still gives you some perspective and you still feel pretty you still feel pretty small in a good way.
1: Absolutely. You know and it's you're absolutely right. It's about looking for those moments, those moments of, you know, awe or or whatever you want to call it where you're, you know, whether it's being alone in nature, or having an incredible cultural experience or just, you know, whatever that might be. You can find those everywhere and and you know, not definitely not everyone's going to do these big crazy adventures, but um Hopefully they can be a seed of inspiration for you to take on the adventure that's right for you. That Maybe that is just in your backyard. Maybe that's backpacking around South America for a month. You know, whatever that is. Um, maybe it's learning to scuba dive. We did a show about um, freediving recently, and it's definitely not something I'm going to do, but it, it might be it's something other people are going to do. Every episode of Armchair Explorer is
0: unique in its own way, and Aaron gives each one a special touch. But he made a point of recommending an episode from June of 2021 called "The Lost Tribes of the
1: Kogi." This episode, I I think that one of the powerful things is if you can go to I've tried to do quite a few different indigenous stories, um, and they're they're all I find them all really powerful in different ways. But this story is is just kind of incredible. They um, it's with a filmmaker called Alan Herrera, um, and he was the first person to kind of make contact with this tribe they had remained in isolation in the Sierra Nevada mountains of, of Colombia, uh, pretty much since you know 500 years and so this kind of intact civilization from that period um, and they came out of like this kind of self imposed um, seclusion from the world to give the world a message and they came out in 1991 and said guys do you know that your activities are, are harming the planet and you should stop and they thought that we didn't know and as soon as they told us we would stop of course and they wanted to reach the most people possible so they they found through this series of circumstances they found alan who's a bbc filmmaker at the time and he went and lived with them for six weeks and they recorded this message and and a short film about their way of life and him telling the story of just living with these people being immersed in this culture that you know that's so far removed from from ours so untouched by the modern world and this kind of poignant message for me that was a really powerful episode um and one i was really proud of to to try and you know a share that message in a in a small way but but also to give people a glimpse into into a completely different way of life and um, you know, I think it's like by seeing those different ways of life that we can begin to see our own in a different way too, you know. Um, going back to that idea that we're, you know, that our values and the way we choose to live our life is dictated by where we grow up and who we grow up around. But, you know, culture shock is that experience of, of, of that being blown away Instantaneously, you know, landing in a market in the middle of Morocco or something like that—that's that's you know—that blows all that that history away. And by seeing how other people live the world in these completely different and, and often extraordinary ways, I think can can help you see how you might choose some of that to live your life too, and uh, choose your life for yourself, and and um, rather than have it completely dictated to you. And I think so those little things I think are just really valuable and things that have really inspired me. And I've tried to take something from and and put it into my own life too.
0: And you're also working with a Wanderlust magazine to produce another podcast,
1: aren't you? Yeah. I love Wanderlust. I don't know if you know it, but it's a fantastic magazine. It's a British travel magazine, but they're, they, they're out in the States now too. And their tagline is the road less traveled, taking the road less traveled. And, um, and it's just a beautiful magazine and we we do a a show with them i called off the page so i interview writers from the magazine that to go into deeper stories about about the articles that were in the magazine because you know as a writer what you get given is you go on a trip for maybe a week and you come back and you have two thousand words to tell that story and it's never enough right you always have to cut things out or shorten things um and so this is an opportunity to have a you know, an hour, 45-minute conversation with one of the writers and allow them to tell those stories that didn't quite make it into the piece. And, and to your point about the power of audio, to he- hearing it is so different to, to reading it. Hearing it, hearing their excitement and their voice and their, that, you know, that wow, when they're telling this moment is, is so powerful and very different from the experience of reading it.
0: I really meant what I said when I compared the work Aaron does to that of Anthony Bourdain or David Attenborough. Or maybe another analogy is that part in The Hobbit when Gandalf regales Bilbo Baggins with tales of his adventures, and then Bilbo trades in his quiet life in the Shire for one of adventure. You don't have to go chasing dragons or exploring oceans, but when you listen to Armchair Explorer, you'll probably want to go on your own adventure, no matter how big or small. At least, I did, anyway. Full episodes of Armchair Explorer can be found at armchair-explorer.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. And time now for our podcasting tip, where our guests share some wisdom with
1: the rest of us. Hey, I'm Aaron Miller from the podcast, Armchair Explorer. And my podcasting tip is don't wait for perfection. So many people wait to start a podcast, they think about it, they're trying to figure out the best, most perfect way to do it. And what I always say is, if your 10th episode is as good as your first episode, you've learned nothing. So your 10th episode is always going to be better, no matter what you do. So don't wait for perfection because it won't arrive by not working. It's going to arrive by sitting down and writing and talking and having fun and being loose and open and just going for it and speaking your message and your truth and finding and chatting with interesting people. Don't make it perfect. Just make it happen.
0: Dude, that's golden. I like it. Audience is a Castos original series. Our founder and executive producer is Craig Hewitt. Production assistance is provided by Esel Brill, Jocelyn DeVore, and Marnie Hills. Our website and logo design is courtesy of Francois Brill, our head of product here at Castos. This episode was written, edited, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Stuart Barefoot. Check out audiencepodcast.fm for more episodes, or just search for it anywhere you get your podcasts. Next time on Audience, I chat with Melissa Hall from the podcast, Gravy, about the kinds of stories that food can tell. We tell the stories of the changing American South through the foods we eat. Gravy storytellers showcase a South that's constantly evolving, that gravy storytellers are using food as a means to dig into lesser known corners of the region. They're complicating stereotypes, they're documenting new dynamics, and they are giving voice to the unsung, unsung folks who grow, cook, and serve our daily meals.